Hello, friends. You started this one. I've never done I that know, before. I know. You I'm, were just so ambitious. I know. I've gotten a little more confident as we've been here. We, like, the last episode that we recorded, we, like, dove right into that. I was like, I'm ready. You were ready and you were there and we loved it. Mama was ready. Mama was ready. Um, Mama tried. Yeah. So you know how like I quit my job, right? You and like totally I'm, quit I'm, your job. yeah, I'm on my way out there. So I is that an oh, Claire's drinking a Coors Light from the floor um, again. It wasn't from the floor. It was from a box. It was on from a, a box on a nightstand. Um, compliments of Taya. Compliments of Taya. Ding. Um, but I did, um, you know, put in my notice of my job and finishing things up there. And I'm in a position to where I feel like I could, um, comfortably not work full time for a little bit. I've been doing that my whole working life and I'm ready to take a step back and focus on my other things. Um, but to fill some time, I started, um, classes with CASA, court appointed special advocates for children. And I'm really been diving in with uh, my little my little book work and my little weekly classes and i'm excited to get started in that kind of work and i'm excited for jess to be filling this role and be taking these classes because she's going to be so good at it i hope so like you're really the person if my that if my casa need. director ever finds this podcast this there's two different people that exist inside of me and this is not casa worker jess that you're hearing <laughs> um but no i feel like the the kids that you're gonna be working with really need an adult like you in their life like someone that's like healthy and stable but also like quirky and weird and relatable yeah, I... And I mean that with love. I don't mean that in, like, a, as a backhanded compliment. I mean that, like, genuinely. Right like, on. if I had known you when I was, like, like you were your age now, and mm-hmm. I was, like, you know, 12, I'd be like, wow, that person is so cool. Like, there's... And you're gonna open up future. to me and create a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with me as your cast of work. And you're also gonna be, like, advocating for kids. Yeah, that, that really, is... really need... Arguably, I guess, like, one of the most important parts of it is actually being in a courtroom and advocating for a child who needs you, and that is a little bit scary to me, but I think that I will do just you know fine. What? That, that terrible job that you just quit, they mm-hmm. made you grow a thicker skin, and now you know where, to, you know where to take that my skin fir- now. My, a couple months into that job, that's all I heard from my boss was, you just need to grow a thicker skin. You just need to grow a thicker skin. And then I did grow thicker skin. I actually did. I was able to stop taking the things that people were saying to me so personally, and I was able to like create my own energy and being like, hey, if you want to talk to me this way then help me get this thing done at least. And people did not like that. They don't actually want you to grow grow a thicker skin. They just want you to be able, they just want to be able to like, yell at you. They want to be able to yell at you and treat you like shit and have you take it. That's what they want. You give it back to them. They're like, whoa, lighten up, baby. This has been, I guess, the least favorite job I've ever had, which sucks because I really had high hopes for it. But I did, that is something valuable that I will take is I, for the first time ever really confronted a superior when they weren't speaking to me in an appropriate way. And like, I've just, I've grown and I've understand now what I want out of a workplace, which is a very important place to be. It was a learning experience. It was a learning experience. It was Um, good for you. So I'm excited about this episode, Clara. We have um, our friend, Will. 
Um, if you guys don't know who Will is, he is a content creator on TikTok. He's got an Instagram too. Goes by ily.willy. Um, very cool guy. And he is not here with us, but he is on Zoom with us. And I just want to say, I didn't realize who we were interviewing until last night. And I realized I've had a crush on this person, like, <laughs> for, like, the past, like, three years. I think Will can hear us right now, so. I mean, he's well, going to listen to it anyway. But, yeah, because yeah. I used, for that very brief moment in time that I had TikTok, I did follow him. And, yeah, definitely, he's a, he's a, he's a good boy. He's a cutie. Well, we will let everybody make their own judgments. Let's um, unmute Will, and please stick through this with us, guys. This is our first, like, Zoom thing, and I'm just nervous. I'm scared that, like, the internet's going to go out, and my computer's going to catch on fire. And then you're going to and... die of a heart attack, <laughs> and I'm going to have to take Violet. Um... No, God, no. You would not take Violet in that moment. Um, no, John would. Yeah, my dad would. I guess my parents would share. I don't know. Let's get Will to unmute here, and we will get started. I think, do I? Un um, You're the one that muted him. But I, there we go. All right, I'm will, will, can you hear us? Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm excited to chat with you guys. We're excited to have you. I um, hope you've had a good week. We've had a busy week. So, Will, um, you and I met through the magic of TikTok. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't exactly recall at what point, like, what, what video I saw of yours that made me follow. Um, but I'm glad that I did. Um, so we wanted to just talk to you about, um, you know, how you came into disability and just, we want you to give us as able-bodied people some insight into, um, these issues that we aren't aware of, things that we don't know happen. And personally, I think that we could all benefit from learning how to speak to and engage with disabled people. So how did you come into disability? say is that disability can happen to anyone at any time um, and I'm literally proof of that I was uh, yeah I was in a motorcycle accident that um, you know I was going home from the market and I was driving safely in the bike like the allocated bike space and somebody just didn't see me and turned directly in front of me and I did everything I could to you know protect myself and protect the other car and um, it still ended up getting injured so uh, it's really interesting where people disability is such an othered thing um, in society the people's perception mm -hmm. um, that's a kind of a meme that we always do like everybody who's making fun of disabled people like prepare to join us later kind of thing yeah <laughs> because uh, I think it's around 80% of people become some form of disabled by the time they die. And then right now, I think it's around 25% of the population um, is disabled. So yeah. whether you like it or not, you'll join us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it is something that can happen to anyone at any time. And I think that too many of us walk around with this like mentality of, I don't have to worry about that. 
Um, you know, like I've been trying to talk to some of the older people in my life about long-term care insurance because, you know, now that I'm in this position, I am in health and healthcare, see all these people coming through, just like spending their entire retirement fund for care that they didn't plan for. And, but everybody just has this mentality of I'm just going to be completely able-bodied and healthy and be just like I am now until the day I drop. Yeah, that's that's the thing in America that we've completely like ignored care just for the elderly, but also for disabled people. It just something while I was able-bodied, like I didn't think about, and it just wasn't a part of you know a conversation. And it's really sad that you know accessibility and even care. It's just we don't have it in our country, and it's not prioritized and. I mean, humans in general aren't really prioritized in our society. It's kind of just all Amen. Um, capital <laughs> and revenue and that yeah. kind of stuff. So you would have been great on our last episode. We got into some philosophical questions. <laughs> we got a little juicy. We right. did. Um, so in what ways has your life um, been impacted because of disability? And how, what, what ways has it changed? I mean, Sure. Um, so I'm a tetraplegic, so my, my injury affects all four of my limbs. Um, so I do have some arm movement, and that is definitely useful in some ways, but um, I don't have the use of my hands, so it affects my everyday and almost everything I do. Um, but not only that, it, it changed my perspective. Uh, I had to really figure out what I enjoyed, who I am outside of what I could do and what I could perform. Um, and like a lot of the activities, who I was before was I was extremely athletic. I was always doing things with my body and um, having to strip that away and just figure out what I enjoy outside of what I could do was this really crazy and difficult journey for me. Um, but I feel like it made me um, appreciate, you know, the smaller things and appreciate different aspects of community and humanity. Um, but other ways that it affects me societally is that um, people just assume less of me. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there obviously are things that I can't do, but people will infantilize me automatically and sometimes I'll be at a restaurant and it's me and my sisters my caretaker and the waiter will ask her what I want she's like well what do you want I'm like uh I'll take the Caesar salad or whatever you know so. oh that's that's the... gotta be the most infuriating part about it because it's like I'm still a person <laughs> Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I work with, uh, now I work with uh, dementia residents. I've worked with um, people of all ages in like a skilled healthcare um, uh, setting. And the, the it's all around people talking to full-grown adults like their children is insane. It's actually something that I say when I do orientation for new hires at my current job. I say, 
these people, they, you know, they have a disability. They are not children. I've seen it time and time again. People will get down at eye level and they will baby talk them. And these grownups will look at them and say, why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> like, yeah, baby talk doesn't help anyone. No, it does not. It's, oh, that one kills me so much. Like, I, I'm not two. I'm just in a wheelchair. Yeah. I think there's <laughs> yeah, a lot of, um... I think there's a lot of um, just little things that the able body community does and says that could, they could just change these little things and it would be the biggest difference. One of my worst moments that I ever saw was um, I was in, working in the skilled facility and we had a man who was there. And for people who don't understand how a skilled facility operates, it is um, a... Um, rehabilitation center where some people are sent after a major surgery maybe they had a stroke most people come through after a surgery um, to get some additional uh, nursing care and um, get some additional therapy from physical and occupational therapists it's the usually the goal with skilled care is to get you to a point where you can safely be at home with any amount of help Um, but I was working with a girl in the skilled facility and we had this new resident who had just, uh, come this new patient and he had a double amputation at the hospital. He had double amputation below the knee. Um, and she looked at him, this girl I worked with, she was not there long, looked at him, got down on eye level, patted his head and said, you are so brave. I'm proud of you. Did not even know the man's name. Just, you are so brave. I'm so proud of you. And he was just like, yeah, can, can I, is it dinner time yet? Like, what are you, what are you doing? It was so yeah, uncomfortable that, to watch. That uh. kind of stuff, I mean, disabled people all the time have to deal with able-bodied people saying that we're so brave or so inspirational. It's like, I'm just getting groceries. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... That's like a, a joke that a lot of us make is like, are you living to be inspirational? It's like, hell no. <laughs> I not. do. I do love um, witnessing those kinds of jokes um, from the outside of your community. Like I know, um, what's Erin's name on TikTok? Whelan? She, Wheelie Erin. She has some really funny ones. Um, Shay Shit's in the bag. She's uh, one of my mutuals. I love her content. She's got some good ones. I, I love watching, I love seeing that, like, the disabled community through TikTok has been a great help of, like, you know, like, putting all these people in one place and you can, like, send a solid message for, like, the first time in history. Yeah, that's one great thing about TikTok is that it gives a voice to a lot of communities and a lot of perspectives that haven't been able to, you know, be vocalized in the past and um, before it was like if you, you wanted to know these things you really had to go look for it whereas now tiktok i can make a joke that hits well and then it goes to a million people so that's one one good thing and i think humor is really good at breaking down people's walls and kind of um putting a little bit of empathy out there because you know if i make a joke that you can understand and relate to you for a second put yourself in my in my shoes or sit you in my chair for a second and you can kind of get it so i love that 
Um, so you had mentioned that a big part of who you were was what your body was able to do. And you found yourself in a position where you had to learn new things about yourself. What were you discovering about yourself during that time? Um, I really, I, I've decided, well, I discovered that I, I really like humanity, um, anthropology, and just the story of how we got here is really interesting. Um, I think we'll talk about this later, but I was raised really religious, and because of that, um, I kind of didn't get the full truth. Um, I went to a private Christian school, so science was kind of whatever they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And so um, learning about humanity and um, art and culture is something that I, I found that I actually truly enjoyed. Uh, so that was that was one thing. And um, yeah, there's a lot when you're not. <laughs> I feel like when you're not athletic or that's not your main focus, uh, art just kind of it takes over and you get to see the world through a different lens of creating instead of I don't know producing. I yeah. Have no idea. Now that makes total sense. Um, so now you did mention that yeah, you were extremely religious prior to becoming disabled. Uh, so tell us about why that changed and what kind of pushed that change. Uh, well, so I, I came, I was a part of an organization before. Um, in my entire life, I, I was always extremely fundamentally Christian. Um, and then I joined an evangelical church and so speaking tongues and um praying in the spirit healings all that kind of stuff was just normal and when i first got involved in it it was very foreign to me because i was fundamentalist yes but i'd never seen any of those miracle stuff before and so after my accident um, my church kind of surrounded me and was trying to get me healed and that was such a huge part of the first you know phase of my uh, injury and my disability was people, I had like up to 40 people come up and say that they had had dreams that I was going to get healed, that God had sent them and people were prophesying that I would get up again and that this would be my ministry and that I just had to be patient and faithful. One person said that it was only going to take two years for me to get out of my chair. He put a timestamp on it too, like. Yeah. That's a lot so to unpack, my guy. For two years. <laughs> God. How did it feel having that happen to you? Like, were you still, like, religious at that time? Or had you already kind of started to leave your faith? Well, for the first year of my disability, I was really trying my hardest to stay faithful. Mm. Um, but during the hospital season that I was in right after my accident, I felt so detached from God because I would cry out and cry out and not hear anything. And my whole life, I, I felt like I had this connection to God where, you know, he would show me signs or I would feel like there was a voice or something that was leading me. And during that time, it was just utter silence. And my one of my friends told me that during test god is silent so that you have to stay um you have to lean in and listen i was like okay that kind of makes sense but that also um, sounds a little culty i I just 
But one of the things that kind of sped along my, my deconstruction was that previously I had gone to an extreme, I mean, I did K-12 at a Christian Bible school, so I knew a lot about the Bible, but um, when I decided that being, you know, a Christian and being involved in ministry was what I wanted to do with my life, I decided that I wanted to know as much as possible. So I went to, uh, I think it's one of the top five hardest Bible programs where I wrote, read the Bible five times and I rewrote it in my interpretation. So I knew the Bible extremely well. And one of the things was that we did in that Bible school was we had to take two, um, every time we had to research something, we had to use two that were theological and one that was secular. So I was always getting the secular perspective so that we would have a rounded, you know, we had to have a rounded understanding of it, but we would also have to refute what the secular person was saying about our faith. So the parts of the Bible that don't really make sense, the parts of the Bible that, you know, don't really align and that cause cognitive dissonance, we just had to face fully. So the more, that's the thing about, about biblical studies, the more that you learn, the harder it is to keep your faith Especially, there's this thing called biblical inerrancy in Christianity, where you believe that the Bible was written by humans, but um, with by God through humans. So they believe that the Bible as it is now is perfect. There's no lies in it. There's no contradictions. Um, it is breathed by God, so it has to be true. So a lot of people are stuck in that mindset where, everything in the Bible you have to justify as God's word. So the parts of the Bible that condone, you know, slavery, condone, you know, uh, I don't, are we allowed to say certain words on this Yeah, podcast? probably so. Go for you it. You can say all the words. Oh, yeah, it's sexual slavery, you know, parts of where people are, you know, murdering babies, chopping up their concubines, all these things. We had to somehow figure out a justification for that with this God that's supposed to be, you know, all loving, all knowing, and eternal. God, that's a like hard how, paper to write. It was. It was like, how do we justify this? I mean, like, that's a real test of faith with a God that's supposed to be all loving, but all of a sudden he goes from not condoning this to, you know, oh no, he condoning it to then Jesus comes and then it's not okay. Like it didn't really make sense. So the more that I studied, the harder it was for me to figure it out. And then when I got in my accident, I just had a year where I was not doing anything other than thinking and sitting. So I thought about it over and over again and it eventually just turned to ash in my hands. Wow. God, so the church really did a number on you then. Yeah. And not only that, during that year, I was still going to church services mm-hmm. and having people come up to me and pray for me and lay hands on me and then be disappointed when nothing happened. How did that feel so for you? Like, I just can't imagine that. Like, you were this, yeah. I don't even know what to compare it. You were, I guess, like, just the hot topic of the church. Everybody was, it seems like a lot of people were trying to prove that they had this kind of relationship with God with these like 
through you with these like predictions of when you're going to walk again and predict just I can't even imagine being that person no I, I actually had people come up to me and say like I just don't have enough faith and once I get enough faith and once I get aligned with God I'm going to get you out of your chair that's Jesus. disgusting so, yeah it was it that I mean that still happens I still have people say that like let me just get like you're just not believing in God hard enough. Ugh. God. And how, I know, um, you know, you're fairly vocal on TikTok about your experience leaving organized religion. Do any of uh, the members of your family's church still reach out to you? Um, I kind of, TikTok is really the only place that I, I vocalize that fully. I mean, on other social medias, I'll criticize the church. But I try, I, I almost try to be, like, kind of sneaky, um, whereas, like, I haven't completely come out as, you know, deconstructed, so that I still have somewhat of an influence, because back in the day when I finished my Bible school, people viewed me as this scholar of this, like, kind of, you know, sage wisdom, where I knew the Bible in and out, and so if they ever had questions or if they were ever doubting they would come to me for an answer. And then when I started to criticize the church, that kind of, you know, dissipated a ton. But I still feel like I have a voice to kind of, you know, make people think about their faith, make people realize the abuse in the church that needs to be changed. So I kind of try to be a double agent. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I still, it's really funny for me when like people come up to me and they haven't talked to me in two or three years, and they're like, how is your faith? Like, what church are you going to? And I'm like, um, well. <laughs> I like to say I have a one-on-one relationship with God, and it's very strong, because that usually ends yeah. the conversation pretty quick. Uh- <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of everybody's go-to. Is like, it's not a religion, it's mm-hmm. a relationship. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you're in a position to where, you know, you can still tell these very um very very religious people who tend to put blinders on for their church just get the message to them of like hey let's just critically think for a minute let's develop your own thoughts on this because it's hard especially with the mission trippers you're you're a former mission tripper aren't you yeah you were a mission tripper I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, am I allowed to roast you for that? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I hate it. I, I, I fully... You were one of those like Christians. Mind colonization. You know, mm-hmm. we, in the church, you think that you're doing this great thing because, you know, you believe that you're spreading the word of God and you're saving people. But when you take a step back from it, like, no, you're colonizing. And we... The, the mission trips that I would try to I was going on, we tried our best to be like, don't change their culture, just add Jesus to the culture. But that's, that's changing the culture, <laughs> right? Oh my they would gosh! Say that Jesus is already there. We're just revealing them to him. They were revealing him to them. So, gosh, was your it's, church one of the ones that believed like, um, you know, like what is it? like God's Jesus is only gonna come back if everyone believes. Yes. Yeah, so that's intense. Be, it tr- and it's kind of terrifying. That's a that's lot like, of people to have to and convert. That's, they put it on 
the, the responsibility on the children in the church to go spread this message. That's my thing about it. You get these kids so worked up. They're like, everybody tells me it's so important for Jesus to come back and I have to convince these people. So Jesus comes back. And when, imagine being a kid and getting that heartbreak of the door slamming in your face. Somebody saying, I'm never going to believe in Jesus. That'd keep me up at night. That's traumatizing. Yeah. No, I, I had this huge profound guilt at all times as a child because as soon as they taught me about hell, I would look around and be like, everybody around me is going to hell and it's my my job to make sure that they don't. So my family was, like I said, athletic. So we would always be at games for my siblings and they'd be like, where's Will? And I would be on the other side of the, the field talking to people, asking them what they know about Jesus. So they called me pastor willie when i was growing up pastor and willie it was be- it was because i i truly i had such a heart for people and i wanted them to be safe because i didn't want anyone to go to hell like and that's such a huge thing to put on a six-year-old like that's yeah terrifying. but i actually i wanted to go back and talk about the the thing where you know the the belief that every single person needs to hear about jesus before he can come back. Um, that is super like dangerous and problematic because you literally like Christianity is forcing its people to go and colonize other other cultures, other you know, take down other religions. My senior year, I had an entire semester that was focused on apologetics. So that's the the defense of your faith, and mm-hmm. so we would study other religions and how to break them down as untrue so that they would convert to Christianity. But that's also tied to Zionism because it is that once, once everybody finds out once like every uh, culture hears about Jesus, then the end of the world can start. And then, you know, that whole, that whole thing happens. So, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, like, Zionist, Christian Zionists are actually anti-Semitic because they believe that once the um, tribulation, the end of the world starts, the Jews will be wiped out, and that's just kind of... Jesus was Jewish! I, so, you can't tell people Jesus was Jewish, Clara. It upsets them. But he was! <laughs> I know. Was he not? Yes. But it's... There, it's just so deep. The, the, the religious trauma for everybody is very deep. Them motherfuckers um, hate Jesus. Yes. Oh God. Well, well, I don't have Zoom Pro, so we're gonna be we're gonna be wrapping this up soon. Um, I know. Um, so what as what is something you know? Give me a, a couple minutes of what's something that you want to leave. You know, everybody who's able-bodied and listening to this, what can we do to improve our interactions? What can we do legislatively? Like, what can we do, Will? Uh, I would say that empathy is huge. Just putting yourself in the perspective of other people's shoes and, you know, other people's bodies is just a great exercise to expand your worldview and to really see these people as human, you know, that, that's, uh, I always say that every human experience is individual, so not, like, nobody's is less valuable than anyone else's, because we're all living different lives, um, and there are similarities that, you know, 
join us together, but our differences is also very important because we could teach each other, you know, different ways of thinking and all that. So empathy is huge, but as for legislation, we really need to fight because disabled people are truly considered and treated as second second class citizens in legislation. You know, there's 30 plus states that can pay us, you know, 30 cents to the dollar. Um, we don't really have marriage equality because if we get married, we lose our health benefits. Yes. Our spouse becomes our caretaker in the eyes of the government. Um, so there's just a lot of things that yeah. need to be improved. But Yeah, we know that, there's... Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, and I know this adds to the list, guys, but can we... Yeah. Yeah, let's start conversations. Yeah, but accessibility helps everybody, you know, and... Of course. Um, univer- universal healthcare would solve, like, a ton of problems for the disabled community, but it also, that's what everybody needs anyway. So yeah. It would solve a bunch of problems our, for everybody. Yes. Our and- fight is your fight, you know, and... Like I said, 80% of people will become disabled by the time they die. So, you know, join the fight now so that when that happens, you have the care that you need. Don't act like it can't happen to you, of course. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Will. If you guys do not follow Will on TikTok and Instagram, please go take a look. Uh, It's um, ily.willie. Um, again, thanks so much, Will. We had a great time talking with you. And thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. And you know what? God bless. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll take it if it's coming from you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. You have a good one. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye. What a good what? little time. What a good man. What a good man. I love Will. Maybe, should I? Do you have to pay for Zoom Pro? You have to, that's a pay thing, right? I'm assuming I'm so. I'm assuming so. I should, I should have invested in Zoom Pro. I feel like we could have made a really good long episode with that one. Um, yeah, he's really interesting. I like him a lot. He is. I think he's got a really great perspective, um, especially with the, the religion stuff. I can't imagine being in... That position to have people coming over me, touching my body, praying over me, telling me that God spoke to them and they're gonna, they, they, they know that I'm gonna enough. believe enough. I've seen, um, that's pretty, that line of thinking is very common, unfortunately. I have seen it in a lot of family members. I had a woman at a job who, um, she was very young, considered young to be in a long term care facility. Mm. And she, um, I don't know exactly what led to it, but the tendons in her legs were cut. Mm. Um, so there's absolutely, you cannot walk again like that. You're not going to walk. And her family for years came to see her and told her that she was going to walk again if she believed hard enough. And she believed that. It was, ru- it was so rough. And it was whenever she talked about it, it, it was hard to know what to say because you can't unpack all that. Mm-mm. I'm not qualified to unpack all that with a person. It's a big yikes for me, dog. Big yikes. Um, but we are going to uh, be linking some resources on our Instagram uh, regarding like accessibility laws and just some some need to knows. And I'm gonna put a little um 
story pen thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know a lot about Instagram, to be honest. I'm going to put, put some resources out there and some, um, uh, disabled content creators that we think you guys should check out and, um, give them, give them a listen. Um, do I, do I have anything else, Clara? I have to pee now. Last time you it under- was you. You understand how I feel now. Those last 10 minutes of that last episode, I was like, got to pay. Well, it hurted. I have birthed before, and my pelvic floor is not what it used to I be. I laughed so hard last night that I peed my pants. It's I do that quite often. <laughs> I had to change pants. That's my thing. I, there's this unrealistic expectation that like the super hippy-dippy home birth moms do. Not that home birthing's inherently hippy-dippy, but just, you know, the kind, the crunchy moms. The crunchy moms are like, if you just need to do all your Kegels. And like, if you are having like any kind of incontinence problems then like you're you did something wrong and i'm like no i think i just think my body just changed and it's okay zero kids and sometimes i laugh or cough so hard that i pee my pants a little bit it's okay nothing's come out of my vagina nothing not a single wait wait wait. plenty's gone up there though (laughs) i was deciding if i wanted to say it no it's true um but once again thank you will for joining us thank you guys for joining us um we appreciate we appreciate you quite a lot mate we Um, do i'm gonna go pee and have a good week hope you guys have a good week hope you pee during that time hope you're out there living and thriving and driving and uh Mm. contacting your state representative about accessibility laws and doing research and watching will on tiktok because he's funny he's a funny guy i didn't want him on here because he wasn't funny he's a funny guy he's funny and he's cutie he's a cutie go check check that out for yourself we'll pimp you out a little bit well go check out our cute friend will (laughs) all right bye friends bye friends love you cheers